Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Now you know why we're broadcasting from underground. I have no idea why none of you around the world heard what I said in my opening remarks. But not to worry, I'm going to say them again. 976,000 people watched last Sunday's show. You can count them, something you can't do with other programs, making us indisputably the biggest political show of its kind in the entire English-speaking world. That's really something, and it's thanks to you, and it's thanks to my friends who managed by a shoestring to get this show on the air every week. The numbers who watched last Wednesday's show is only a little behind the numbers for last Sunday's. And so it is with some sadness, I say, that we cannot sustain the midweek moats extra. We're going to have to pause that for now until we find a way to fund it, to finance it, because all of this, of course, cannot be done for nothing. Now, as I was saying before I was rudely interrupted by the sound of silence, uh, the Berserk tour of Biden around Europe, uh, dribbling all over the war zones, uh, was uh, something to behold. Distasteful. The gobules were many, and it's difficult to pick uh, one or two of them. But one I will concentrate on. Not since 1945 has the head of one military superpower called for the overthrow of the head of another military superpower. But that's what Joe Biden did in Poland. And in this case, both military superpowers are nuclear armed, and one of them, Russia, is hypersonically nuclear armed. It doesn't get much more dangerous than going towards the border of the other superpower and demanding uh, that their president should be overthrown, should be removed from office, calling for regime change in a country next door that just happens to have just as much nuclear firepower as you do. As a mark of recklessness, it can only be explained in one or two ways. Either, as the White House tried to do after his speech, while walking it back in the American terminology, it was Joe running off at the mouth. He was verbally drooling and said something that he didn't mean, or at least the American administration doesn't mean. Or, as I prefer to believe, Joe Biden said the quiet part out loud. He stated publicly that which is merely privately held as the war aim of NATO, uh, for which read the United States, uh, in the confrontation in Ukraine. Because that's what this really is. It's not a Russia-Ukraine war. 
It's a U.S.-Russia war by proxy, using the people in Ukraine and the public infrastructure and the private property in Ukraine as the entirely dispensable pawns in the game. It is an effort to probe and confront Russia as a prelude uh, to its balkanization, its regime change, and the replacement of the current government of Putin uh, with a government more to the United States liking, like the one that they had in Boris Yeltsin. To that end, Joe Biden's comment that the Russian people were not his enemy, he was probably telling the truth about that. They don't, of necessity, hate Russian people. They just hate a strong and dignified Russia, able to and willing to stand up for itself in the international arena. They can't bear uh, that a regime they did not pick, indeed, they picked the Yeltsin regime, otherwise... I'd be talking to you now with Mr. Zhuganov, Comrade Zhuganov, as I call him, who would have won the, the Russian presidency rather than Yeltsin, but for American interference, imagine that, in a foreign election, namely the Russian presidential election. They loved Russia when Yeltsin was in charge when Russia was lying drunk on the floor in the form of Boris Yeltsin, and everyone was picking its pocket. Picking its pocket through, but not exclusively, the very oligarchs who then fled to Western countries with their ill-gotten billions, hundreds of billions in many cases, and who then spent the intervening 20 years giving money to Western political parties and politicians and buying Western media, only to discover that they are now the enemy and their yachts and their assets are being systematically looted by the private property-loving capitalist system in Western countries. My heart bleeds for them, of course. Now, the other thing that needs to be said about Joe Biden's berserk tour is that he promised the 82nd Airborne Division that they would soon be in Ukraine. Despite both the Biden administration and the NATO leadership repeatedly publicly stating that no NATO forces will be committed to the war in Ukraine, if that were true, how could Biden say that when the 82nd Airborne get to Kiev, they will see for themselves the bravery of the Ukrainian people? Was this too something to be walked back? Was this also just Joe Biden drooling, havering like a senile old man? Was it? Or does it? reveal a private truth into the public arena. Now, I don't speak for Russia. I'm not a Russian. Uh, but I would probably quite fancy fighting the 82nd Airborne Division uh, in the streets of Kiev. I think that would go rather badly 
for the United States Armed Forces because not even a year ago, not even nine months ago, I watched the very same American forces run out of Afghanistan like a thief in the night, driven off by men who rode around on bicycles, who wore not military boots but sandals, who carried not high-tech weaponry, but mere carbines. I saw the Americans running away. So from my point of view, (laughs) if I were the Russians, I'd say, I'll see you in Kiev, 82nd Airborne. But is that what you really want? Because that could very quickly turn into a pan-European war. That could very quickly turn into warfare in Poland. A warfare in Romania, warfare in the Baltic states. That could very quickly turn into warfare deep into the European continent. And if it did turn into that, it could quickly turn into a nuclear war. First on the battlefield, then intermediate, and then, in the worst possible case, an intercontinental exchange of ballistic missiles that would end human life on the planet. Is that what you really want? And if it is, or if it isn't, are you content that a man that cannot ensure that his fly is closed after visiting the toilet, are you sure that a man wandering the corridors of the White House at night, wondering where the toilet is, is really the man to have in charge. Mind you, they don't have that much of a choice. Because after Sinal Joe comes Kamala Harris. Have you seen Kamala Harris? Well, the Democratic Party voters saw her. They took a good look at her. And fewer than 1% of them gave her their vote in the presidential primary. Even though the Clintons were bigging her up big time after all, she is exactly one of them. If they were designing a Democratic Party candidate for president, she's what they would have designed. But the voters took a look and said, thanks, but no thanks. Since when, her polling ratings have fallen even farther and faster than Joe's. Sleepy Joe is now favored by, on the economy, just 33% of American voters. He has an overall approval rate of 40% and a disapproval rate, an active disapproval rate, of 55%. At this rate, the Democrats are going to be wiped out in the midterm elections in November. And at this rate, once that newly republicanized Congress gets to work, putting Joe Biden on trial, impeaching him over Ukraine, imagine that. Once that republicanized Congress gets to work on Hunter Biden, about whom more later, then the chances of Donald Trump being re-elected as president 
in 2024 would seem to be a very short odds bet indeed. So what are they going to do? After Joe, it's Kamala. If they dispense with Kamala, do you know who it is? Do you know? It's Nancy Pelosi. Who's better before lunch? I'll grant you. But after lunch, and even after dinner and lunch, she literally cannot bite her well-manicured fingernails. She could not scoop her expensive ice cream that she showed off to people in her super-duper kitchen in her private residence during the long period of lockdown. That's the chain of command in the United States of America. Joe Biden, Kamala Harris, or Nancy Pelosi. You take your pick. But the real fools, of course, are the Europeans. The Europeans have gone over the cliff behind this imbecile, behind this man who's not in control of his own bodily functions, never mind in control of his marbles. They've all sacrificed the entire European economy. They've all sacrificed millions of their own people to unemployment and penury to please what? Who? Joe Biden? Are you serious? Even Ireland did it. Even though Joe was caught on St. Patrick's Day on camera saying, and I quote, I may be Irish, but I'm not stupid, unquote. They've all gone stark raving mad, including, of course, here in Britain. And we've done it all to try and protect the last gasp of American domination of world affairs, American domination of the world economy, the dollar hegemony about which we'll speak later. They've all done it for the Americans. Puts a new slant on the special relationship, doesn't it? It's a bit like the special relationship that Miss Lewinsky had with President Clinton, where the weaker partner is always on their knees, if you get my meaning. Now I want to turn to Hunter Biden now that I've got down and dirty. If you have not checked out the contents of his laptop, it can only be because your stomach isn't strong enough. Because most people ineluctably would be drawn to a laptop which contained not just examples by the tens of thousands of Hunter Biden's depraved sexual tastes, including a taste of sex with children, but in a way even more important than that. Important, though that is. His laptop describes absolutely in detail the criminal nexus which existed between the Biden crime family and the oligarchs and the then government 
of the Ukraine. They didn't try to hide it very often because they didn't know that Sleepy Joe would be back sleeping in the White House. But now that he is, this information ought to bring down the American regime. Talk about regime change, Mr. Biden. It'll be your regime that's changed long before the regime in Moscow, I'll warrant you. But that's not what I want to talk about in Hunter Biden. Do you remember the bio labs? Do you remember less than four weeks ago when the advancing Russian forces said they had discovered evidence of a string, it turned out to be 36 bio-warfare labs belonging to the Pentagon, the American Defense Department, in Ukraine. You'll remember, if you followed this story, that this was immediately denounced as Russian disinformation. And those of us who highlighted it were called Russian stooges. We were all doing it for rubles, even though I've never possessed a ruble and have no need of anybody's rubles. I highlighted this because it seemed to me a matter of potential gravity. But no, it was Russian disinformation until who else but Victoria Newland, the architect of the 2014 coup in Kiev, which overthrew the elected president, the elected government of Ukraine, sent them scurrying for their lives. Victoria Newland, appearing before a Senate committee, was forced to acknowledge that, yes, there are bio-warfare labs in Ukraine. And we're worried, she said, about the Russians getting their hands on them. This was later walked back. No, they're not bio-warfare labs. They're just nice, cuddly bio-labs. In which case, why were you worried about the Russians getting their hands on them if they were harmless, nice biolabs? And if they were harmless, nice biolabs, why were they being run by the Pentagon and not the Ministry of Health or the Ministry of Science? Why was the U.S. military paying for 36 Biolabs, where? In Ukraine, right next door to Russia. So much, so bad. But it turns out, according to that well-known Bolshevik newspaper, the Daily Mail in England, that actually these biolabs were funded by Hunter Biden. The pervert Hunter Biden, the son of Joe Biden, at that time the vice president, now the president of the United States of America. Could this plot get any more thick? 
Well, yes, it does. The Daily Mail, that mouthpiece of the Kremlin, revealed not only that Hunter Biden invested his own money into biolabs in Ukraine, well-known centers of profit. I mean, why buy property? Why invest in oil and gas? Why invest in building hotels? You can invest your own money in a biolab. Not only did he invest his own money, he persuaded the United States government to put hundreds of millions of U.S. taxpayer dollars into these biolabs in Ukraine. What first attracted the United States Treasury to putting its precious resources not into clean water in Flint, Michigan, not into roads and bridges in Alabama or Mississippi, not into the larders and fridges of the American people devastated by economic disaster over these last few years. No, let's put American money into biolabs in Ukraine. If you believe that they did all that through Hunter Biden for humanitarian purposes, I've got a bridge here in London that I could sell you going very, very cheap. I'm a Nigerian prince. Why don't you send me your bank details? If you believe that, you are an idiot. Now, if you follow the money, as we are oftentimes told to do, then follow that money. And you'll see the depth and the extent to which the United States government has used and abused the people of the Ukraine to the point where the very existence of their country as an independent state is now in question. Finally, if you saw what I saw on videos online today, of Russian prisoners of war being prepared for execution, stripped, blindfolded, their hands tied behind their back and kneeling on the ground, waiting for a shot in the head. If you saw what I saw today, Russian prisoners of war being kneecapped by Ukrainian soldiers who filmed themselves, including their faces, the fools, whilst doing so, if you saw the gypsies all over Ukraine being tied to lampposts, their pants pulled down and left down, being lashed and then left for any passerby to have their perverted way with, then you probably will not need to watch the Netflix documentary that I watched. To my cost, to the cost of my psyche over these last three days. Hitler's death squads, 
the Einstatzgruppen. If you have got Netflix and you don't watch it, it can only be either because your stomach is not strong enough or you simply don't want to know about the dark Nazi heart that continues to beat in the western part of Ukraine. Now look, here's tonight's poll. Has Joe Biden lost his mind over Putin regime change? A yes, B no. It's up to you. You can vote on my Twitter feed, Blue Tick, George Galloway, on my YouTube channel. And if you go to my YouTube channel, please, please subscribe to it. Or on my Telegram channel. That's t.me forward slash George Galloway. Now, uh, the numbers to call because we'll have more calls tonight. We've got two lines. We've got two members of my family working those lines and very good at it they are too. So we'll get more callers tonight even than last week. If you're in the United Kingdom, the number is 08081965522 and it won't cost you a penny to do so. 0808196552. If you're in the United States or Canada, it's also toll free, will cost you nothing at all to ring plus one eight four four nine four four double three double four. That's plus one eight four four nine four four double three double four. And you can email the show anytime at onair at moats dot TV. Now, on Wednesday, for those who were watching, we had a most eloquent and articulate and very serious call uh, from a professor in the United States. Uh, unfortunately, we ran out of time, and I expressed the wish uh, that we might be able to talk to him again. No sooner had I expressed that wish than the clever people who helped me here managed to get him. He is... Professor George Callas, Professor of Political Science and History at Miramar College in the United States. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. A lovely study I see behind you. Excellent. Good taste. Um, uh, let's uh, start in a way where we left off uh, when we spoke midweek. Um, here in Britain... If not the general public, though most of the general public have, but the entire political class, the entire uh, political apparatus, the entire media, uh, all the organs of the state, the football authorities, everybody uh, has gone Ukraine crazy. No one can quite explain why. When you ask them, have you ever worn uh, the colors of Yemen in solidarity with the millions who have been killed there? by British and American weapons, by our closest ally in the Middle East, Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates, or any other of the conflicts that we've lived through uh, this last uh, 22 years or so. Uh, no one can quite explain what it is that's special about Ukrainians. Is it the same, first of all, in the United States? Down on the street, I mean. Well, uh, first of all, thank you for inviting me to your show, and I uh, am happy to be with you and all your viewing listeners and audience. Um, 
the subject of our discussion is U.S. propaganda and domestic and, I should add, foreign policy. Uh, this is an old story. Uh, I think it's interesting what's happening in the U.K. is being echoed back and forth over the pond here. And basically, we're both being essentially we're being drowned in a sea of lies and hypocrisy today. And of course, I want to echo back to our original interview meeting in my discussion here, because uh, what we have on our plate here is a long story, a, a very uh, sad story of U.S. national security state propaganda operations, ideological operations. It goes way back in history. What's happening in Ukraine is not new. So what I propose to do with our, our brief interview tonight is try to give a summary uh, based on the the topic of, of U.S. propaganda and its impact, not only on the domestic population, but also in the U.K., Europe, and globally. Because don't forget, U.S. national security uh, propaganda operations are a global system. It's not just here. But anyway, let, let me add something else. There's nothing new in this history of propaganda operations. And essentially, we have an ideological stranglehold uh, on the American public opinion with regard to domestic and foreign policy, which is the focus of this discussion. Now, let me begin also. Uh, Putin made a statement. Putin was absolutely right to call out the U.S. and Western propaganda mainstream media as an empire of lies. Uh, that's on the historical record, and which we'll briefly go through. But I'm going to go one better than Putin. I actually call it empire of propaganda. And uh, let me explain what I'm trying to say here in summary. The uh, U.S. national security state war of aggression, if you will, and there are many of them in history, uh, the first casualty, of course, is the truth. Of course, being very cynical elites, the truth is to be manipulated. And I want to explain basically some of the techniques and components of how this system works. Uh, so, for example, the United States national security state system and its associated corporate mainstream media uh, are using propaganda to hide the long historical record. Now, the historical record is key to breaking through the propaganda fog, if you will. And that's the, the point, is to censor it or to fragment it. Or as I tell my students, I say, look over here, don't look over here. Look over here, don't look over here. It's a sleight of hand trick. And, and it's a very old story. So there's a long historical record of U.S. overt and covert aggression in order to make this current crisis look like uh, the other guy is at fault instead of the real culprit, which is the U.S. national security state system and its NATO allies, which in fact, as I see it, is the originating aggressor regime that provoked Russia's special operation intervention response, which I characterize as really a true humanitarian intervention, which I will explain and back up my claim a little bit later on. So what I claim is that this is a U.S.-NATO-Ukraine crisis, which goes as far back as the U.S.-NATO-backed uh, Euromaidan coup d'etat in 2014, along with the ensuing mass onslaught and slaughter against the Ukrainians 
in the Ukrainian Russian. Don't forget, there are Ukrainians involved in this also, not just Russian speakers. Uh, and and the, the, the essentially war on terror from the Kiev regime, of course, with the help of their, their neo-Nazi battalion allies, against the people of Donbass for the last eight long, bloody years. Now, here's what's important. This has been censored from the Western media. And that's the, the critical point we're trying to make here. So, so what we are seeing here are the key elements with regard to how effective U.S. propaganda and uh, domestic and foreign policy in the context of this current U.S. NATO uh, crisis, how, how it works. Well, there are key propaganda operation outcomes to this in the current crisis. And again, it's, they, it's off the shelf. They've used it over and over again. We've just shifted from one region of the world, uh, Southeast Asia, Latin America. Now we're uh, Middle East. Now we're in Europe again. Okay. Again, meaning what also happened with the, the U.S. bombing of Yugoslavia. So the control of the message is key. So control of the message is how we control the, all the issues surrounding the current crisis that is presented to the American people in order to gain a sympathetic consensus and support for U.S. foreign policy that is connected to domestic policy uh, via kind of a complex of institutions. For example, the military-industrial uh, intelligence, academic policymaking, think tank complexes supported by uh, the corporate mainstream media, which essentially is, is, the, is the broadcast medium, the bullhorn, if you will. Now, what is U.S. domestic policy and how is it related or correlated with U.S. foreign and national security policies? Well, the classic answer is simple. To keep Americans uninformed through disinformation while also garnering their uninformed support for another U.S.-made foreign crisis. And I know that sounds kind of contradictory, and that's the whole point. It is an internal contradiction, because the theory is, well, you inform the public, they can make considered decisions, but in fact, using disinformation, you literally systematically uninform, or if you want to call it de-inform them, of what's happening. So this is essentially a distraction propaganda maneuver to blame Russia for the ongoing domestic policy problem. So let's take, for example, what's happening here in the United States. Uh, so as we know from recent uh, news reports, uh, Biden's ratings are gradually tanking. And because he has failed to actively and effectively support comprehensive uh, domestic policies, for example, like uh, national public health system or free public education system, basically starting from the community college, which... Uh, essentially, he blocked for funding, uh, failed to cancel the massive uh, national student debt, which is skyrocketed into trillions of dollars, and also failed to effectively tackle the ongoing inflation, which predates the, in, uh, the invasion. In fact, the inflation is systemically historically connected to uh, the 2008 uh, great capitalist financial crash, which we're still suffering under. Okay, so this has part and parcel of accumulating over time uh, the problems of uh, domestic policy in the United States. Now, how does that connect uh, with foreign policy? Well, of course, we have midterm elections coming up. 
uh, on the horizon and in the context of this, we have falling ratings. So again, look over here. Don't look over here. So, yeah, that, but professor, that, that's uh, in a way the most interesting thing because that doesn't seem to be working. There he is, uh, prancing around, uh, if he can prance, uh, on the European stage, playing the world leader, uh, galvanizing people for the possibility of, uh, hot war beyond the borders of Ukraine. But his numbers are still falling. How do you account for that? Well, I think the idea is that now we have global information, alternative forms of information, which I want to also include in my analysis here, where people are saying that we don't buy it anymore. His rates are falling because it's a crisis of legitimacy, which actually has been kind of ongoing for a long time uh, within the uh, the political institutions here. Uh, People are becoming critically aware that kind of the gig is up. They're understanding how the mass media, corporate mass media works. And now we have the the, the social media giants, of course, which all kind of interconnect and collaborate. Uh, so what I think what the president is doing is this look over here, over here strategy is not working because people are doing this. They're taking all this information and, of course, they're bringing it together and starting to say, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Why is Ukraine right now uh, on the top of the list of issues? So back to propaganda. How does it work? You have to manipulate uh, as much as possible. And I feel that the propaganda mileage are getting out of this is going to fail. It's not going to last. Very interesting. Look, we're going to have to leave it there, Professor Kalas. Thanks very much indeed for joining us. I hope you'll do so again. Uh, but uh, the time marches on, especially now we've put the clocks forward. Has Joe Biden lost his mind over Putin regime change? A, yes, 88%. B, no, 12%. That's on Twitter. On YouTube, it's yes, 93%. Hard luck, Joe. No, 7%. And on Telegram... It's yes, 97%, no, 3%. What can I say, Joe? The people have seen through you. Now, here's my general knowledge question. On this day, in 1952, the musical comedy Singing in the Rain was released. The male star was Gene Kelly, who was the female lead. But you don't get it. A, Ginger Rogers... B. Sid Charisse. C. Debbie Reynolds. Answer after this short break. Let's play a game and I'll ask you yes or no questions. Ready? Okay then. Sick and tired of hearing the same old voices on the wireless? Are you looking for an alternative opinion to the mainstream media? Do you have a thing for a Scottish accent? If your answer is no to one or more of these questions, then you need the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway. Listen, watch, and share the fastest-growing political program in the world!
It's for you, sir. Where's the cheese pizza, Robinson? Come on, what are the public paying you for? Oh, and uh, get another virgin colada while you're there. There's a good chap. Oh, who's ringing the old uh, burner phone? Hello? How did you get this number, Ghislaine? No, 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 that's impossible. I, I can't possibly fly to New York. Why? Uh, our mummy's grounded me. Oh, yes, certain to cut off my allowance, you know. Yes, yes, I, I know it comes from the public, but uh, she holds the strings. Oh, I've uh, got to go. Uh, my, my pizza will be here uh, any minute. I'm not sweating, you're sweating. Ghislaine, don't call again. Robinson, so come here with that moist towelette. It's getting a bit hot for my liking. Hey, where am I? Welcome to St. Peter's Gate, my son. This one of that Hillary's tricks, that devil? Be still, my son. The Clintons cannot hurt you here. You are safe with me in hell. Oh, heck. Knew I shouldn't have taken Bob's homemade vaccine. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I am not worthy. Before you pass on, you may ask any question you desire. Anything? With my omniscient knowledge, I can tell you anything you wish to know. Well, Lord, you gotta tell me. All-powerful creator of this universe, before you judge me, I've been searching for answers my whole life. Yes, my child. I have to know. Who shot JFK? Ah, ah, another one. It was a lone gunman by the name of Lee Harvey Oswald. He was not a government agent, and there was no second shooter on that grassy knoll in Dallas. My God! This goes higher up the window! You are listening to the mother of all talk shows with George Galloway. Well, the answer is Debbie Reynolds. Were you like me and say it was Ginger Rogers? I would have actually put money on it being Ginger Rogers. Shows what I know. A couple of uh, quick uh, social media. Jim Forrest says there's a whole cemetery of Biden family skeletons in Ukraine. The U.S. will fight tooth and claw to keep dollar hegemony. That's the real story. Jim, it is the real story. That's why we've got not one but two specialists in that field on this very show this evening. And A.B. says... Your thoughts about the video published a couple of hours ago, killing Russian soldiers. Ukrainian soldiers are mentally sick, or who are these people? They are demonstrating the lowest level of humanity. Shocking, very similar to the soldiers, the ISIS mentality. Sick soldiers. Let's take some calls. Uh, There's Marcus in Chorley on Hunter Biden. Go ahead, Marcus. Well, the whole Hunter Biden thing, I mean, shouldn't we be looking at the Biden family's relationship to the Ukraine and the uh, 
as of battalion, the funding where that where that came from in the first place. And then yeah, well, the, I, tr I tried to do that in my opening remarks. Please develop them by all means. But but then then this the uh, the these quality the ex-military English Australian American that are going out there to fight and they're not being supplied with weapons, not being supplied with gear. If you look on a, uh, on a YouTube channel called Chris Thrall, he uh, he has a he has a, a segment called It's a Trap. And yeah, I saw that. I saw that. I, I'll tell you my own honest view, Marcus. Uh, they'd quite like it if these foreign mercenaries all got killed uh, because they think that it might uh, drag the countries from which these mercenaries came into the war. And I saw some footage today of uh, American mercenaries actually in firefights uh, in Kharkiv this very day. Uh, so there are plenty of foreign mercenaries, some of them may even be, uh, serving uh, military personnel from Western armies that are pretending to be mercenaries that have gone AWOL uh, with, a, with a Nelson's yeah. eye being uh, turned to them. Marcus, last word to you. My also thought on this is, I was about, because the world is collapsing, we get all the handy lads into an area where we can blame Vladimir Putin for taking them out because we didn't supply them with what we told them we're going to supply them with. So yeah, you've got it's funny that thousands. they're all concentrated in such large numbers in readily accessible targets. You're right. Marcus, thanks for the call. Now, uh, tomorrow night, I'll be in Liverpool. And my next call is from the great city of Liverpool. Ray is on the line on Biden. Go ahead, Ray. Oh, um, yeah. Hi, George. Um, I want to speak about, like, um, you know, Joe Biden. I, I just don't, I just think that um, Joe Biden is not a good leader for America. I just don't think he's the, he's a strong candidate for the Democratic Party in America. And I think, like, in um, when it comes, like, 2024, I just think Trump will um, beat um, Biden in that election, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll marmalize them. Uh, that, yeah. what you said, is typical English understatement. Uh, Joe Biden is worse than the five worst American presidents uh, put together. Uh, he, he literally can barely uh, speak the words that are hung in front of him that were written by other people. And then he goes off piste, they say, and makes uh, remarks that he doesn't mean, like the 82nd Airborne, though I haven't seen that one walked back. Uh, but the regime change was walked back by the White House immediately after he said it. And today, a procession of uh, blue-chip, blue-tick uh, establishment toadies, like Frank Gardner, the security uh, correspondent of the BBC, have opined that it's really not helpful, uh, the White House having to com continually walk back loose talk from the president. Uh, but all Joe Biden did, I believe, was, as I put it, say the quiet part out loud. Last word to you, Ray. Yeah, I'm d I just um, want to like, speak about, like, you know, with um, Putin, I, I just think, like, um, the West is attacking Putin, like, um, saying, like, Oh, Putin's like evil. He's he's a psychopath. But I think one of the things Putin wants, I think he wants Ukraine 
to join the Soviet Union. Well, there is no Soviet Union to join. Uh, Joe Biden, who, by the way, dodged the draft five times, even more than Donald Trump, five times, four student deferments and one medical deferment. And yet he's lived such a long and active life in American politics. His health must have miraculously improved. Joe Biden, who would have done anything to avoid fighting himself, is ready, more than ready, to fight to the last drop of blood of other people. Uh, thanks for that. Um, now, I'm in Liverpool tomorrow with my Killing Kelly film. You, you can't get tickets, not for the last month. You couldn't get tickets for that. But you can still get tickets for my Oxford Town Hall showing of Killing Kelly, which is next month, the 25th, I think. Although they're going very quickly now. So, yeah, there it is. Monday, 25th of April at 7 p.m. I'll be presenting the film and I'll be taking Q&A afterwards. So if you want to meet me there, if you want to see this film, it's a very important one. Please get your tickets uh, now. Kieran is in Waterford in Ireland, where my dear mother on this Mother's Day came from. Happy Mother's Day, Ma. Go ahead, Kieran. Hi, you, George. Listen, I just, do you know what? I'm so, it sounds crazy to say in this day and age, but I'm really genuinely worried for the end of the world. I really am. We have a national broadcaster, as you know, over here called RTE, and there's a, there's a talk show guy on every day, Monday to Friday. His name is Joe Duffy. Since this started, and I said, I made a point to the woman that took me call when I first rang up. It's the same with Donald Trump. I'm not a Donald Trump fan, but what they did was they pick, and this is what you do, you pick an enemy, and you say really bad things about them, you get enough people to hate this person, and then you can say anything and do anything and enforce anything, and the people will follow you. And I made a point while I was waiting to, 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 to get the call answered. Uh, an old Twilight Zone uh, black and white uh, uh, episode came into my head. It's called Monsters Are Jew on Maple Street. It's, it was made in the 50s, early 60s, I think. And what they do is it's a suburban street in America, and it's just it shows uh, the, the premise of the, of the episode is it shows how easy it is to control people and manipulate people and make people enemies, your neighbours enemies, and what it is, it is aliens it's the toilet zone, aliens, they, they land on a yeah. on, on hill, and they start messing, yeah. they turn the power off on, on, on this one street, and then at, when the night comes, they turn the lights on on one, on one house, and they say, no, look, it's Mary it's Mary, she's doing it, and then they turn off Mary's lights and turn on John's lights, and it shows how easy it is to even make people attack their neighbours, their friends, their family. We have, a, on this talk show, Joe Duffy, when, when, when this started, he had a guy rang up that said he was a soldier. I don't know where, he could have been a fellow, I don't know, he could have been a lunatic with a tinfoil hat. He said he was a soldier, and there's a guy in London is taking CVs from around the world. And if you can prove that you're a real soldier, he arranges you to go to Ukraine to fight. This guy said, I'm not only going to go on my own. He said, I've hired out a few hotels around Ireland. He said, we're having a few, a few seminars, and I'm going to, get, I'm going to build a unit of soldiers to go to Ukraine and fight. These, this is what is happening around the world. We yeah, I'll tell you what, though, Friday. Kieran. Yeah, Kieran, uh, just because the hour uh, is coming to a close, I need to interrupt you, but make this point. I think it's working in Ireland and it's working in Britain better than it's working in the United States. Because if it was working in the United States then Joe Biden's poll ratings would have gone up, not catastrophically plunged further, down to 33%. 33%, the lowest ever for an American president in the first half of his presidential term. 
and ominously close uh, to the next elections that can take power away from Biden's party and almost certainly will. So the question is, why are we the stupid ones in Britain, in Ireland, when the Americans that we always thought were less smart than us, let us put it that way, have seen through the game much more quickly? Chris in Stevenage. Go ahead, Chris. All right, Joe. How you doing? All right. Glad to hear from you. What would you like to say? I would like to say, first of all, George, I agree with a lot of what you say. I think our government is a waste of space. The whole lot of them out of Parliament should be all of a crumble. Chuck them out. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm afraid I'm inclined to agree with you, yes. No, I mean, I'm serious, George. The, the whole lot has gone, they're just so woke, it's unbelievable. But the reason I phoned you up is this. I watched your uh, program during the week. You know, you have a, a little mini program. Yeah, the midweek extra. Yeah. Yeah, and it said about you said about uh, the the pictures coming out of Ukraine is fake. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, actually, actually, Chris, one of them took the biscuit yesterday. It's, it purported to be a Russian helicopter being shot down. Beautiful shot. Yeah, it was. That, and a big, big fireball. A big fireball. It was actually a computer game. It was a computer yeah, game I've sequence. That, I'm aware of them. I've seen a lot of them. Yeah. But you can't deny, like, ordinary buildings and civilians are getting destroyed with it. Uh, well, many civilians and buildings are being destroyed, of course. Not as many as yeah. in Baghdad when we, when we invaded. Uh, in fact, by this stage of the war in Iraq, launched by us and the United States... <laughs> 400,000 civilians were dead. 400,000 no, civilians I'm not, I'm not were dead. I'm not denying that. 
I mean, you got to see what are they doing. What is the point of this? They're all brothers and sisters. Well, the point, the point of it, the the point of it is was stated before it began uh, that uh, the failure to implement the Minsk agreement meant that the forces led by fascists, by the way, uh, along the line of control with the Donbass, were about to fall upon the people there like wolves. They'd already killed 14,000, and they were about a day uh, from invading, a full-force invasion, and carrying out a massacre. And so that's the first point, failure to implement the Minsk Agreement. Second point, a determination to join NATO. Russia will never accept Ukraine in NATO. That was never going to happen, Joel. It was never going to well, happen. Well, well, well uh, you say that, but you're not a Russian charged with the security of your country. You can say that from Stevenage quite comfortably, and if you're wrong, it won't make a, a row of beans of a difference. But if you have the responsibility of defending Russia, and you see NATO training bases, and NATO bio-warfare labs popping up all over your country, and you see weapons pouring in from NATO countries into Ukraine, you may well conclude, well, Ukraine's not in NATO, but NATO surely is in Ukraine. And if you had responsibility for Russia's national security, I'm perfectly sure that you would have taken the same decision. And I know that uh, any government worth its salt would never allow a hostile military camp to establish itself on their borders. Just ask yourself, Chris, would we allow uh, Chinese-Russian military bases in Ireland or in an independent Scotland? Would America allow Chinese and Russian bases in Mexico or in Canada or in both? Would we? You know that we would not. You know that. No. Think about it. But Think about it. They've got their things in them places already. What? What? They've got these things in them places already. They've got Russian and Chinese bases in Ireland. In Ireland. They probably had. They probably bought out whatever they can was going to make money for them. You're saying on international television that there's probably Russian and Chinese military bases in Ireland, in Mexico, in Canada. Are you really saying that, Chris? I am. There you go, then. There's no accounting for taste. That's Chris in Ward 5 of the Institute for the Criminally Insane. Can I get Eddie in Manchester up? Can you do that? Can you do Eddie? Okay, go ahead, Ed. Eddie, welcome. Hi, George. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Thanks very much. George, I'm a first-time caller, uh, and I just wanted to say straight off the bat that your rectitude, integrity, humor is unrivaled in any of the mainstream media. Round of applause to you. I admire Thank you, you very greatly. much. Thank you very much, one. Eddie. God bless you. God bless you. Thank and you uh, God bless you too. And may God give you strength, long life, keep up the good work. I also want to say a round of applause to your co-workers. I mean, three and a half hour show. 
uh, every Wednesday yeah, and Sunday. Yeah. Especially, uh, especially twice a week, yeah, uh, especially twice a week. Yeah. And yeah. on a shoestring, believe me, none of, them, yeah. none of them are getting the money that they should. Eddie, there's only one thing that could make me love you more. Are you a United supporter? I'm a, I have to admit, George, I don't really watch football. The only time I watch football is every four years when it comes to Euro and it comes to the World Cup, just to see who's the European champion. Well, tell me this. Now that you've mentioned the World Cup, I didn't have time to do so earlier. The Daily Telegraph has called on Scotland and Wales to step down from the World Cup qualifiers so that Ukraine could get a bye right through to the finals in Qatar. As I pointed out, by that logic, we should just present them with the World Cup now because if you shouldn't play against them and thus possibly defeat them, well, that might, that might as well go the whole... Why don't we give them the Eurovision Song Contest and the Euros and the World Cup and Wimbledon? Why don't we just give them it all now and not bother turning up with the rest? Coming soon to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to the Moats Podcast. Now, you'll know already, if you're a regular viewer, that I'm very proud to have played a part in the downfall of Robert Maxwell. The fraud that he was, it's been 30 years since Robert Maxwell fell or jumped or was pushed off the back of his yacht, the Lady Ghislaine. Ghislaine Maxwell, whatever happened to her? Now look, this podcast will be released at 10 p.m. on Sunday, the 13th of February. But if you want exclusive access to the whole series in video form, you can do it right now. And you'll be able to see every episode three weeks before the podcast is released. So here's how you do it. You click over to my Patreon, sign up and support my channel right now. Search patreon.com forward slash George Galloway. But this is just the start. We've got so many plans for my Patreon page. I'm really genuinely excited about it. So uh, you'll be able to not just listen to uh, my book about the 1970s, but hear me discussing the music, the films, the, the, the culture, the politics uh, of the 1970s. You'll be able to do that. But perhaps most importantly, I discovered a treasure trove of video of all the speeches I made in the run-up to the Iraq war. Some of you might even have been at those meetings. It's really weird looking back at them, what I looked like 20 years ago, what you looked like in the audience 20 years ago you might very well want to see yourself at those meetings. Arthur Crabtree says, well, they saw how easily they could turn people into commercial cultists and applied it to politics. Fair point. And Fundamentals says, when Biden did his epic war speech yesterday, I think he forgot where he was thought he was on the set of an epic war movie. And Samuel Taylor, Samuel Taylor says, seems to me you have lost your mind with your uncritical support for your friend uh, Putin. Tell you what, Samuel, here's my number. 08, 08, 
0549-555-5522. Come on air and say that. Come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. And Phil here from Liverpool says, you're at the table with the leaders of Ukraine and Russia, a mediator, if you will. How would you start the talks and what would you advise? I'm interested to know. Well, I think the demands that I adumbrated not half an hour ago uh, are the uh, essential demands. And if they're not met, then they'll have to be enforced. They could have been met before the war began. They will be met one way or another, either by conquest or by agreement, and it's better if it's by agreement, don't you think? Not least because it would mean that not another person would have to die in this war. Uh, let's go to the calls. Lee is in Harrow in London. Go ahead, Lee. Hi, George. How's it going? All good. Thanks for calling. What would you like to say? Um, so I was going to actually speak about Biden, Hunter Biden, but just on your poll itself, interesting uh, uh, kind of choice of words there. I think generally um, uh, senior Biden has lost his mind. Um, across the board. And because he's lost his mind, he's actually saying things that traditionally America would keep quite covert, that this has been about That's the point. change. That's the point. It's not that he's lost his mind, so he's talking rubbish. He's lost his mind, so he's telling the truth. Yeah, I do believe he's telling the truth. And I believe that there's a really shoddy, it's a bit like the biolab thing, you know, they let the cat out of the bag, and there's a shoddy attempt to cover up these these things. And and the the thing that astonishes me is that this cover-up is so flimsy, but yet people believe the cover-up. I've seen yeah, yeah, journalists across yeah. the board um, falling yeah. over themselves to say, oh, it wasn't meant to be said like that. And I just think, really? Um, but in terms of um, when we spoke a couple of weeks ago, um, we said at that time that this is pretty much game over. Um, it's it's pretty obvious that Zelensky is, you know, out of his depth. And, and I feel that he's he, this hero worshipping is that it get to he's led there's a script he had a role to play um but the hero worshiping he's let it get to his head and he actually thinks that there are going to be no fly zones and nato are going to get involved and he's going to be the victor in all of this when actually that wasn't ever a part of the script he was just a tool a pawn to be used to try to to get to putin to instigate putin but putin is, is pretty much in control of this scenario um and he's shown that with the exception of sanctions there's not much else the west and nato eu america can do for all the rhetoric, there's not much more that they will do or they can do against them. No, no. Um, unless they are, unless they are so dedicated to halting the developments that we have spoken about, the Eurasian development, unless they are so determined not to allow China to overtake the United States that they'd rather destroy the world in a nuclear war uh, then none of these things are going to happen. The 82nd Airborne are not going to make it to Kiev. And if they did, uh, they would get a hot reception there. Uh, the uh, NATO countries are not going to be destroyed for the sake of American hegemony. At least not Germany and France. Some of the others yeah. may have a kamikaze uh, uh, mindset, but... Uh, Germany and France, and in particular France, uh, you saw that Macron denounced uh, Biden's comments yes, and he did. said that uh, 
that there's a need to de-escalate this kind of rhetoric, uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, uh, so France Macron... is increasingly on EV with it, Lee. But Macron was, was one of the leaders who, at the outset of this, said this has to be ha- – right at the beginning, he was one of the ones who said, you know, this has to be handled with diplomacy. It's not all Putin's fault. So he came out with a balanced approach on this from day one. This is before the sanctions or anything. Um, and, and there might be countries like Poland who, who'd, who'd go the whole hog and want an all-out all out war. But I agree with you. I don't think and, – and the thing is, it's not – thankfully, it's not Biden's sole decision. I do believe this whole thing has been engineered. He's a weak leader. Um, his ratings are collapsing. Um, Trump warned us about Hunter Biden all the way through. And I, I believe yeah, he this did. has been he engineered. He was telling the truth. He was, he was, and this has been engineered. Personally, I'd like to see Nancy Pelosi in charge, uh, but only before lunch. Uh, Lee in Harrow, thank you very much indeed for that wonderful call. Matthew is in Montana. Matthew, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mr. Galloway. Uh, Let me first say, literally, it is an honor and a privilege of my lifetime to speak to you on the mother of all talk shows. How kind. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. So uh, basically what I'd like to say, and I have a question for you here, and I've been listening very closely to what you say and have always said, uh, clearly the U.S. is trying to posture itself as the uh, dictatorial overlord of a unipolar world order. Uh, My question is, is that when the smoke clears here and the flames of war are reduced to a smolder, do you think that the U.S. will allow for a multipolar new world order, or as you just said a few minutes ago, is this something that could potentially end in disaster due to the United States' seemingly endless display of arrogance and unwillingness to work with anyone in a partnership-type level? I mean, I'm a U.S. citizen, and believe me, I am direly concerned. Well, uh, when you and I were young, that was called the $64,000 question, when $64,000 was worth a lot more than it is today. Uh, The the truth is, I don't know. Uh, It's hard to believe uh, that the United States would let the world come to an end rather than allow Ukraine, that they didn't know where it even was four weeks ago, to be a neutral, demilitarized, denazified country. But you never know. Uh, one thing's for sure, that's how it will end if they don't. If they are determined to maintain American hegemony in the world, that's how it will end. It will end with you and me and our children and our grandchildren dead and our countries smoking ruins of ash and humanity, destroyed for eternity. Now, people have to focus clearly on that question. How important is it to you, Mr. and Mrs. Citizen, in the United States and in Britain and Germany and France and elsewhere around the world, how important is it to you uh, that Ukraine is permitted to join NATO, if you're ready to sacrifice literally everything for that, then you may indeed get your wish. But most people, 
I'd hazard a guess around 99.99999% of people would say, actually, that's a price I'm not willing to pay. Question is, Matthew, how do we stop? I mean, Joe Biden literally has the button at the bottom of his bed. I wouldn't trust him to button up his pajamas. But he's got a nuclear button at the foot of his bed. Just think about that. Give me some uh, social media uh, here. Um, Peter in the Netherlands says, thank you for your show. One of the last fortresses of free journalism. It's breaking my heart to recognize the fact that the freedom is dead in my land. There's not a word being said about Hunter Biden. This should be the biggest story in the world. In fact, it is a non-story. Pfizer numbers or neo-Nazi crimes in Ukraine on our TV and anyone brave enough to speak against the government's policy is being arrested. We live in Nazi Germany again. Good God, that's from Peter in the Netherlands. They know a thing or two about Nazi Germany. Zook says, what effect on the UK economy if the world trading currency moves to China? Thank you for your wise words. Well, Zook, we've got a guest coming up. We'll deal exactly with that question. And Josh Dunn says, I wouldn't be afraid of the end of the world, but I would be afraid of the world that will remain if we can't change the course. And Angela Donegan says, the Americans will never, ever forgive Biden for the atrocious exit of Afghanistan. They won't support any war he or his party want to go into. And Winston says, imagine calling yourself an anti-imperialist when you platform Russian imperialists like Fiorella, the anti-vaxxer. Well, Winston, I think you've got me bang to rights. I'll have to confess here on television that I'm not an anti-imperialist. In fact, I'm an imperialist agent posing behind a false beard and under an unnecessary hat. And all of my life's work, more than 50 years of my life's work, opposing imperialism has been unmasked by you, Winston, because you don't like Fiorella. What a clown you are. You're too stupid to be watching this show. Switch it off now. If I find who you are, I'll make sure you're switched off. I'll make sure you're blocked from watching this show, Winston. You are a plank. You've won. Fool of the week on the moats. Uh, Kevin's in Grimsby. I'm sure we'll get more sense out of him. Go ahead, Kev. Uh, hello, Ke- uh, hello, George. Look, I think it's very, uh, it's very important um, that um, we all remember the the uh, the famous words from one of the good past presidents of the United States of America. He said uh, famously, "You can fool all of the people some of the time, and some of the people." All of the time, but you can't fool all of the people all of the time. Now, Amen. there was Amen. a report on, on Consortium News. There was a, a report by one of the uh, free correspondents 
mentioning that I think it was in January last year, NATO had a report which he, he, he leaked, or it wasn't for wide public uh, dissemination, but it said that the report was, it was more or less an operational report. The, the object was, the enemy was, or the object was to gain the minds and hearts of people. Don't underestimate the emotions of people. Um, it doesn't matter if the evidence behind, you know, um, is, is false. But you have to, and we know in the Western media, they have, they have, I don't like to watch BBC and Sky News anymore. And even oh, Al Jazeera. I can't, I can't possibly. It, it, I, 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 I would no, die even if I, I had to watch these uh, channels, Kevin. But here's my point, And I've made it now twice this evening. How is it that in an era where the truth is available at the touch of a few buttons on your computer, if you've got a computer or an iPhone, and you have the ability with your thumb to go looking for the truth, you can find it. You can find consortium news. You can find the mother of all talk shows. You can even still watch RT, despite them laughing, laughably describing it as having been banned. Half of Britain, half of the British audience is watching it via uh, a VPN uh, registered in, in, in India or in Nigeria. Uh, it's easy if you want to find the truth. The question is, why are so many people fooled? Because they can find the truth. Ignorance is a choice in 2022. Why then are so many ready to make the choice of ignorance? Has Joe Biden lost his mind over Putin regime change, as someone rolling on the river put it in the social media. You could have stopped it. Has Joe Biden lost his mind? Is the poll, right up until the end of the show, 9,272 people have voted, and it is bad news for Joe. That's nearly a record number on the poll. Now, many of you, sadly not enough, have been in touch to say that they'd like to make donations to uh, fund the midweek moats extra that we're having to pause now. Uh, it's really very kind of you, and I'm very touched by it. Uh, but it costs at least £7,500 to make a moats extra, and none of the offers uh, are remotely add up to that. So I've got to uh, say that the moats extra will be paused, but I will be broadcasting free on YouTube at 10 p.m. London time on Wednesday night. I hope that we can bring the extra back, but we can go on uh, running it uh, without the uh, financial wherewithal to do it. My good friend, Rachel Blevins, with whom it used to be a delight regularly to talk on RT America, has not been with us for some weeks, and so it is with a song in my heart that I reintroduce the Rose of Texas, Rachel Blevins. Thanks, Rachel, for uh, coming back on the show. It is truly wonderful to see you again, and I know I speak for a lot of your fans amongst our uh, audience. I've got to go right, I've got to cut right to the chase.
Is your president mentally capable of discharging his office? And if not, shouldn't Amendment 25 to the U.S. Constitution shortly kick in where his cabinet members decide that after his reckless performance in Poland, he really has to go on medical grounds? Am I completely out of line in suggesting that? Not at all, George. And first, thank you for having me back. It's great to be here on the show. And it has been a wild week here. And, you know, you point out that he's my president. Unfortunately, this is apparently the best that America has to offer on the world stage. (laughs) And we saw this week the comments that he has made. It has been bizarre to see a sitting president. First of all, I have no idea why he's going over to Poland, why he's meeting with troops there. I mean, that in and of itself is concerning. But then on top of that, he first makes the comment where he tells U.S. troops that they're going to see Ukraine. And then all of a sudden, the White House comes in and says, well, no, no, that's not really what he meant. And then he comes out and he says that Putin can't remain in power. And then the White House comes out again and says, no, that's really not what he meant. Well, my question is, what does he mean? Because right now he's making one statement after another. I mean, they let him leave the White House. They're letting him make these speeches. And clearly they're being broadcast all around the world, but it is making Biden look absolutely ridiculous. And I know you broke it down in your monologue at the top of the show, but we don't necessarily have any great options when it comes to an immediate replacement for Biden if you're looking at Kamala Harris or at Nancy Pelosi. So it is an incredibly concerning time to not only be in the United States, but to see exactly where the United States is headed, especially as as it keeps trying to play around with World War III, and it, it does not look like the Biden administration is backing down anytime soon on this one. Well, look, I said when uh, Donald Trump beat, uh, beat Hillary Clinton, I'm not happy that Donald Trump is the president of the United States, but I'm very happy that Hillary Clinton isn't. I've got to put it to you, it's a controversial point of view amongst many of my supporters, uh, but I'm convinced of it, that it would have been better for the world if Trump had beaten Joe Biden. Yeah, I mean, we're in that spot right now where I don't know exactly where we would be if Donald Trump had beaten Joe Biden. However, Given everything that the Biden administration has done, especially with ramping up, I mean, we just saw this last few weeks, Congress came together magically, and they passed a historic $13.6 billion in funding to Ukraine, nearly half of which goes to prop up Ukraine's military. And so, you know, if we had Trump in office, I'm curious to see how he would respond to it. But with Biden, it seems as if he's got something he's trying to prove here. And as if he genuinely thinks that he can push for an overthrow of Vladimir Putin. And he 
doesn't seem to see the part where in order to even go forward with trying to make that happen, that means World War III and that means the possibility of nuclear war. I mean, this is not Saddam Hussein in Iraq. This is not, you know, any of the leaders that the U.S. has just come in, overthrown, and then done whatever they wanted to with their country. And I think we're really seeing the writing on the wall right now as you see the U.S. and its Western allies saying that they're going to come together and essentially sanction Russia out of the civilized world. And then you have countries like China, India, Saudi Arabia that are kind of taking a step back here and saying, well, no, no, not so fast. I don't think you realize just how much the global economy relies on Russia when it comes to natural resources. And yet another comment that Joe Biden made there, which arguably if Donald Trump would have said this, the media would have lost their minds as they should have in this case. Biden made a comment where he said that the world should get ready for a global food crisis. And for what? For Ukraine? For a country that the majority of Americans can't find on a map now, in addition to facing prices at 40-year highs all around our country, in addition to facing skyrocketing gas prices. Now we're supposed to be looking at facing a global food crisis because the Biden administration decides that it can't give up in its quest to make sure that Ukraine is propped up and has the leaders that it wants it to have. And also maybe that leads to World War III. I mean, we're getting into this point where nothing makes sense right now. No, it is uh, surreal. Uh, he was uh, very clear about it, that there's going to be a global food crisis, and it's going to be real. Uh, he's not going to go short of food, of course, although the way he was eating that pizza in the uh, military mess, <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> I'm not sure his teeth yeah. do much uh, chomping uh, these days, but none of the elite in America are going to suffer a global food crisis. It's the poor of your country, my country, and around the world. It's them that are going to face a global food crisis. It's them uh, that are going to pay the price of the skyrocketing inflation, including uh, fuel costs, but not uh, not limited to fuel costs. Gas, uh, petrol, uh, the price of generating electricity, uh, the cost of manufacturing because of Russia's huge contribution in raw materials to the manufacturing process. Even the neon, most of the neon in the world comes from Russia. So get used to seeing the neon lights going out in Las Vegas. All of this for a country that... As you say, nobody knew anything about it except thee and me and a few select others just a month or two ago. It just doesn't make any sense, as you put it. Yeah, yeah. And you see, it's been crazy to see, too, just the movement of people on social media that are there saying hashtag pray for Ukraine and that are condemning Russia. And yet these are people who have no idea about the 2014 coup. They have no idea what the Azov Battalion is or that the U.S. has been called out time and time again for funding far-right neo-Nazi groups. They act as if this is a conflict that just started a few weeks ago and that it is so clear-cut and that there is no U.S. involvement to it. And it's been incredibly concerning to watch just how quickly so many people have jumped on board with that. 
because at the end of the day, when you're defending censorship, when you're calling for people to be completely deplatformed off of the internet, you may be doing that because you don't agree with them or it makes no difference in your life, whether they're on Twitter, YouTube or not. But what you're doing is you're setting in motion an incredibly troubling precedent. And this is not going to end with just Russia and Ukraine. This is going to be something that is used again and again. And it really is the next forefront of propaganda that we're seeing rolling out here. And here in the United States, the two major parties are both magically on board with it. It's funny how that happens. Hands across the aisle. Rachel Blevins, a joy to see you back on our show again. Thank you very much indeed. Hope to see you again soon. Let's go straight to calls. Let's go to Switzerland. Why wouldn't we? Go on, Larry. Are you sitting down? (laughs) I am, yes. (laughs) Okay, because have you heard Bashar Bashar al-Assad's speech about Ukraine and World War II? No, I didn't hear it, no. He gave a speech, and it was shocking, but it wasn't shocking to Russians. He was talking about, I live in Switzerland, and I'm not angry that the Swiss worked with the Nazis. I'm angry that the Swiss worked with the British and the Americans that worked with the Nazis. And they staged World War II to uh, Germany, went through uh, Europe, and then everything stopped, and they went and attacked Russia. You could say it was the Soviets, but it was Russia. I heard a Russian politician that said Russia never thought that they were fighting Hitler. They always thought they were fighting the West, and I really believe it. Because living well, here, they're never going trying- to, yeah. They're never going to allow that to happen again. They lost 26 million dead people in World War II. They are never going to allow uh, that central European plane to be able to be the launch pad for an invasion of their country again. They can either secure that, Larry, by negotiation, or they can secure it by uh, conquest. Uh, but one way or another, that will be secure. Russia was invaded three times across that plane, first by Napoleon, then by the Kaiser, then by Hitler. There won't be a fourth time. They will never allow Ukraine to be a member of a hostile military alliance any more than we would allow our neighbors to be members of hostile military alliances and have armed camps in them and point missiles from them, including nuclear missiles. Anyone who believes that will believe anything. From Switzerland, we're going to the fjords. It's John in Norway. Go ahead, John. Yeah, I just wanted to say that I feel so sad for the older guard that, uh, you know, they... They grew up around the Second World War, and they feel very passionate about, you know, anti-Nazi. And now with all the propaganda, they they are kind of fooled. They're supporting the side that they are completely against. And this is, you know, on behalf of BBC, NRK, Norway, all these TV channels that they trust. 
you know, like my parents. You're uh, absolutely, you're absolutely correct. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I told you about that Netflix documentary, Einsatzgruppen, Hitler's Death Squads. It is the most profoundly affecting documentary I have ever seen in my whole life, which has not been a short one. It uh, doesn't just go into the uh, almost unbelievable bestiality of the Nazi regime itself, but the Nazis of the occupied countries, including your own, and if we had been conquered, the same kind of quislings would have arisen here. Don't think I'm uh, claiming British exceptionalism. If we had surrendered or we had been conquered, uh, we'd have had a quisling too. But the role played by Romanian fascists, Hungarian fascists, Ukrainian fascists, in the mass murder of millions upon millions upon millions of Jews, Russian prisoners of war, partisans, Poles, anyone that they considered to be a subhuman, the role played by these countries, they should be hanging their heads in shame until now, instead of arming and funding and propagandizing for the sons, the grandsons of those Nazi collaborators who massacred a hundred thousand Jews in Babi Yar outside Kiev. Who did it? It was Ukrainian Nazis that did it. The SAS stood around smoking while they watched the Ukrainian Nazis murder 150,000 Jews in a gorge on the outskirts of Kiev. Just think about that. John, last word to you. Yeah, I just want to uh, just... Uh say something about I, I think like the motivation for Europe now to be so uh, behind this is uh, after COVID with you know they there is a big bill to be paid and and uh, and inflation is going up and what we see in Europe now is that there's pressure on salaries right and what uh, what is actually happening is that the, the workers from Poland from Romania from Bulgaria they are not coming to Norway now. They are not coming to France. So the pressure on the salaries are going. That's why they are so interested in getting all these uh, refugees from Ukraine and giving them the best refugee benefits ever seen before. It's because the pressure on, on salaries are right now very high. That's my last John, thanks. A uh, very interesting call from Norway. Uh, let's get a German point of view. Julius is on the line from Germany. Go ahead, Julius. Welcome. Fantastic. It's an, it's an honor to have you, uh, to speak to you right now. I'm a big fan. I first heard of you actually when you were speaking at the U.S. Congress. I think about more than a decade ago. That was that was something uh, 2005. Special, yeah, 15, yeah. 16 and years I ago now. Believe it or not, that was not the high point. The high point for me was when I was working in Southampton. I live in Germany now. I was working in Southampton, and I had a Lebanese friend, and we were talking during that invasion of Israel into Lebanon. And then I, he goes like, oh, the entire UK media is not presented fairly. And I go like, 
You haven't seen George Galloway speak to Anna Bolting, have you? You should watch it, <laughs> which he did. And I was that like, was a oh, good one. Wow, yeah. That was amazing. That was, that, uh, was that, may be, that may be my biggest internet uh, hit, my interview with Sky News in 2006. Exactly. You were like, they're getting a bloody good hiding. I was like, oh, my God. Bloody good hiding was the ones that were in in my mind. (laughs) Anyway, Julius, how does Ukraine Ukraine look from a German point of view? Um, I think everybody's buying the propaganda, unfortunately. You put on ZTF, it's the same. You put on AIB, it's the same. It's almost Ukraine, Ukraine, Ukraine every time. But, George, what really surprises me, I cannot for the life of me believe what the European leaders are doing. I really can't. Because what they're doing is they're just blanketly supporting the U.S. idea. What's the point of this? Now, at the beginning of the year, my gas price went up by 50 euros. Think about it. That was even before the war, right? And if it's going to go higher, guess who's going to benefit from it? It's going to be the ones that they are described as far right, like the AFD in Germany or the National Rally in France. These two parties, which are supposed to be extreme, they have it correct on this. Would you believe it? Like if you go on the AFD youth website, they start talking about maybe we shouldn't be expanding to the east. What uh, Hans-Dietrich Gensner said, keine Osterweiterung. So they kind of have it correct. So if things become harder in Europe, what happens? These right-wing, supposed right-wing parties come in. They are all Eurosceptics. They are literally nuking the EU, and they are not even seeing it. I mean, how is this happening? No. I don't understand it. I really can't. Well, uh, Ukraine is the main uh, loser uh, from this situation, but Europe is the second loser. There's no doubt at all about that. And amongst the losers in Europe that will lose the most, Germany is right up there. Uh, that much ought to have been clear. But the political class in the European countries, with the vague exception of Macron, and mainly because he's facing very serious electoral challenges now uh, in the upcoming presidential election, uh, all the rest have uh, drunk the Kool-Aid, Julius. It's unfortunate because there are people here in Germany who are saying maybe too much sanctions will not work because it's going to affect us in the process. And then I was Joe Biden on TV talking about, you know, there's going to be huge food shortages because the sanctions that we're imposing on Russia has an effect on us. Why are you punishing yourself just to hurt Russia? How does that make any political sense? Let well, that's right, and uh, and people will people will conclude that. Uh, I don't care how stupid a lot of people are; they know, uh, even if they've been fooled, they can do nothing mm-hmm. about Putin, but they can do something about their own governments, and I believe that they will. Julius, thanks for that call from Germany. Kevin is in England in Suffolk. Let's hear from Kevin. Go ahead, Kevin. Hello, mate. Um... We're all dissidents now. Um, That's what I've got to say. (laughs) Um, Right, okay. I um, am very ambivalent about Putin. I I don't support his government. I think he could have done a lot of positive things over the last 20 years that he hasn't done. But um, I think he was an obstacle to whatever project is going on at the moment in the US Democrat Party, which I think is the greatest threat to uh, world order. It's the war party. Uh, It's the war party. It always has been. Well, it just, I don't even think, I I don't even think it's about that. I think it is about accumulating wealth and power 
for various big families. And I, you know, it, I mean, it's just beyond, I, I just, you know, the scale of it is frightening. Um, but what I was going to say is I think uh, Russia's been suckered into this. I think this was, I think they were fed false intel. I think they weren't ready for the kind of war that uh, has developed. And I think, you know, I, I, I don't take any pleasure in it, but I mean, they seem to be taking a kick in, you know, that they've, they've lost a lot. No, uh, yeah, no, they haven't. Uh, that's just fake news, Kevin. Uh, and uh, if they'd been taking a kicking, you would have seen the footage of their bodies. You have not seen the footage of their bodies. You've not seen hardly any war footage at all. It's fake news as when this conflict is over will be clear to everyone. But I appreciate your call and I appreciate the spirit in which you uh, made it. Uh, it is extraordinary. Now, 198 people have called. That is also a record. Uh, the phone lines have been rammed. Thanks for calling. I'm sorry if we didn't get to answer your call. Now, Andy Mock is the Senior Research Fellow at the Center for China and Globalization, where he focuses on technology and its impact on great power relations. Andy, Mark, very welcome to the mother of all talk shows. Thanks for joining us at this hour. I'm uh, most grateful. Thank you. Now, um, I know that uh, technology is your forte, but I also know that you take a, a close interest in the issue of currency. I've been arguing uh, that the main weapon uh, in the armory of U.S. hegemony is actually the dollar rather than the cruise missile, rather than the military hardware, uh, which they're not actually all that good at anyway. They don't like to hear this, but they haven't won a war since 1945, and it wasn't even them that won that. Uh, so how have they remained the global hegemon all this time, the answer surely lies in Bretton Woods and it lies in the uh, Saudi oil uh, deal with them, uh, which led to Saudi Arabia pricing its oil in uh, dollars. If it begins to change that paradigm, U.S. power potentially falls away like leaves in the autumn. Yes. No, George, you're right. I mean, you know, everything we see from uh, so-called American soft power uh, out of Hollywood perpetuates this myth that, you know, what makes the U.S. great uh, is its military machine. And there's no doubt that it's enormous, um, you know, something like $750 billion U.S. billion a year. Uh, is spent on defense. You know, that's the uh, U.S. military budget. Um, and there are, there's a lot of impressive technology. It's a large army, of course, but you're absolutely correct. The real power and the real foundation of American hegemony is the U.S. dollar. And to put this in, you know, relatively straightforward terms, and of course we can get into uh, some of the, the economics of it, um, but put it this way. Uh, money used to be worth something. So you think about gold. People would use gold for money, and that's because it was hard to find. It was valuable. 
And what happens, think about it this way. If you or I, instead of having to give something valuable like gold for things that we wanted, uh, we could go to the pub, to the bar, have a beer. And instead of giving real money, we could write a piece of paper that says, I owe you some money. If I wanted to go buy a car, I could do the same thing. If I wanted to buy a house, I could do the same thing. Now, wouldn't that be a wonderful world? And in fact, that is what the U.S. has been doing uh, since the 70s uh, when they delinked uh, the U.S. dollar from gold, meaning it used to be that you a U.S. dollar stood for a certain amount of gold that you could exchange for gold, for something of real worth. And today, uh, or actually since the 70s, uh, it's become what's called fiat money, which means that there's it's nothing more than just a piece of paper. But now you've got a problem. If I wrote an IOU and I went to the bar, the bartender would probably laugh at me. So, But what happens? The U.S. was able to say to also at the same time to Saudi Arabia, because everyone in the world needs oil in Saudi Arabia then and still is uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest, oil producers in the world. Say, look, uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, we would sure like it if you would only take our IOUs for oil. And, of course, oil is a very real and valuable product that everyone around the world needs. So in exchange for providing a military guarantee, uh, Saudi Arabia said yes. And of course, now that creates an enormous demand for these IOUs. So if you or I were able to do that, we would have a pretty good thing going there. And in fact, that is what has been happening. Now, the problem with this, though, is that once you get addicted to doing something like this, you tend to write more and more IOUs for more and more stuff. And that's one way we could understand uh, inflation, which, of course, is uh, skyrocketing today, not just because of the unfortunate events in Ukraine and the uh, the food and energy crises that it's causing, but just in general. Uh, you know, it's very hard for anybody uh, to restrain uh, their desire for things, but it's even harder where you have to uh, try to persuade people to support you in a two-party system, and the best way to do that is just promise to give them more stuff, and so you then have more and more of these IOUs. So, George, you're absolutely correct. That is, uh, I think that uh, this is really the root and the foundation of American power, American hegemony. And we're in a very interesting time now in that uh, because of the unfortunate events in Ukraine, uh, the U.S. has launched not only uh, a military war and a propaganda war, but also an economic war against Russia. And the economic war uh, is the one that I think uh, is more important and doesn't get uh, nearly as much attention. So I'm really glad that we have the opportunity to talk about this today. Uh, but in this economic war, what the uh, U.S. has done is it's uh, seized Russian assets, including the assets of the central bank. Now, here's the big problem with these U.S. IOUs then, is the U.S. at the same time is saying, well, you can also use these IOUs because you can trust us that we will be fair-minded, uh, essentially referees of the financial system. And, you know, the U.S., we, we know that follow the, the, the geopolitical scene, uh, is, can be very, very difficult to deal with at the country level because every four years there's a presidential election and there can be a 180-degree 
pivot in direction. So, you know, if you're a country, you're a Germany, you're, you know, another country, a UK even, um, and the U.S. says one thing, and then four years later says, uh, well, sorry, we've changed our mind. We want to go in another direction. You know, that can be very, very challenging. But now um, I think what the world has seen is not only does it have to deal with this, but uh, the financial system, the U.S. dollar, which most of the world relies on, has been shown to be fundamentally unreliable because now uh, – I could say if I was issuing all these IOUs, oh, you know what? I, because I don't like you, your IOUs are now worthless. Um, so this is, I think, really going to create a problem in the long term for the U.S. I hope I didn't go on too long about that. But you, uh, no, you, you didn't. It was uh, a positively brilliant answer. And what I was just thinking, if American imperialism is a paper tiger. We didn't know it was an IOU paper tiger. I think the uh, the metaphor is brilliant. But they've run out of road on it because China is increasingly capable uh, of not only eating its lunch, but actually taking over the IOU business. It is increasingly capable of being a reserve currency itself, isn't it? Well, we really have to see, George. I mean, clearly, and again, if we go back just to the basics, um, why would anyone want U.S. dollars or Chinese yuan? And at the end of the day, we really don't care about these pieces of paper. And in fact, today, they're really not pieces of paper. They're just bits in the, the digital world. And, you know, we transfer... Uh, a number from one account to another account. But anyway, it's, it's useful to think about it as, as these pieces of paper. So why do we even want these pieces of paper? It's because we can exchange them for stuff we actually want. It could be a cup of coffee. It could be a nice dinner. It could be, you know, a, tr a vacation. Um, and ultimately what it comes down to is who's producing the stuff that people want. So we've known for decades that China is known as the workshop of the world, but increasingly uh, China's making not just low-end things or, you know, relatively low-value-add things like shoes, clothing, toys, but increasingly moving up to, say, 5G equipment, you know, the world's most advanced smartphones, Companies like Huawei are doing this. Um, that So what you need, though, is that the people in China don't want dollars because people in China spend yuan. So at the end of the day, um, whoever's making the most valuable stuff, sooner or later, their currency becomes the most sought after. Now, again, but if you have commandeered the choke points of the global financial system, so not just uh, enforcing the use of the dollar for things like oil, but you also control the electronic network that allows banks and through banks, everyone else around the world, to move money around the world. Uh, now, you know, you've got something. So even if uh, you're not producing as many things as other people want, uh, and there may be a country that's producing more of them, uh, this is, again, the stranglehold and the, uh, I think, the foundation of American hegemony. And you're right that we're seeing this challenge today, and it's not just by China. Uh, so I should say that, uh, you know, as you know, and I'm sure many people in the audience know, that um, India has recently came out and said, uh, we're going to work with Russia 
uh, and set up a rupee-ruble payment system that avoids the dollar, uh, using the dollar and uh, going through SWIFT. So SWIFT is the, the, the interbank network uh, that, even though it's headquartered in Brussels, is actually really controlled by the U.S. So, um, so we're seeing some cracks here. And I think that there's been enormous uh, resentment around the world uh, at dollar hegemony. And the sometimes, uh, you know, what feels to many people like the capricious use and abuse of the system, but this might be the uh, final uh, element that really uh, undermines the system. Not to say the dollar will go away. Again, the U.S. Uh, is the largest economy in the world in nominal terms, but it's actually only the second largest in purchasing power parity terms. Um, so it's not that the dollar is going away, but I think that the U.S.'s ability to enforce and punish uh, countries, companies, people around the world may be severely weakened. Um, and as I, you know, write in, a, I wrote in a recent piece, um, that the U.S.'s, uh, launching of these three wars against, uh, Russia was intended to solve the problem, but it might have created an even worse problem, uh, for itself. And, you know, as, as then President Obama allegedly said about Joe Biden, never underestimate Joe's ability to F things up, that here, you know, the intended cure for a problem might be far worse uh, than what they're trying to solve. Or as a famous Chinaman put it, sometimes they struggle to lift a huge stone only to drop it on their own feet. Andy Mock, you are a star. We'll have you back on the show, if you will, as soon as possible. Thanks for joining us. The poll is a record. 11,005 people have voted, and it's really bad news, Joe. It's not just a record poll. It's a record defeat for you. 87%, 92%, and 98%. Let's go to uh, as many callers as we can. Andre in Virginia. Go ahead, Andre. Hey, George, real quick. Uh, good evening to you. Second time I Good evening. I just got a question to ask you, man. What do you think about that um, prank call interview with your um, British um, <laughs> secretary? That's all I wanted. It was know. very funny. It was very, it was very funny. Uh, our defense defense secretaries are not what they used to be. Uh, this fellow would scarcely get the job of polishing the regimental brass in the officer's mess. And if you've ever done to do with the military, you'll know the kind of dullard that gets that job. So think now, officer's mess, the dumbest officer is given a chamois and told to polish the regimental brass. That's Ben Wallace. He is laughably our defense secretary. He's sitting in a car in Poland and a joker, a TV and radio DJ in Moscow, gets through to him on his car phone in the embassy car in Poland and starts saying to him and encouraging him to say the most damaging and ultimately the most ludicrous things. And he does. He talks and talks and talks. So puffed up with importance, is he, 
that the Ukrainian prime minister, who's really a DJ in Moscow, has called him on his car phone that he makes a complete fool of himself. Andre, he's a liability. In any sane government, he would already have been sacked, not for doing the wrong thing politically, just for being stupid. And he'd be sent back to the mess to polish the regimental silver. Maureen in Texas. Go ahead, Maureen. Yes, hello, George. I wanted to comment on, yes, hi, on the coverage in the news for most Americans and especially in this part of of the U.S. and Central Texas, which tends to be conservative and support the military regardless of political party affiliation or support. I think most what I'm seeing in the papers and on the news is nothing but one-sided about Russia and Putin are evil, nothing about how we got here. Um, even today in the in the local paper, there's an editorial saying, as Americans struggle about with higher energy prices, we need to assign blame to where it's due, Vladimir Putin and nobody else. But that, um, does that cut it, Maureen? Because you can't do anything about that, even if that was true, which it isn't. Right. I mean, what, um, are, peop- are, what are, are people going to just collapse under an economic burden that they cannot bear? And as they go under, <laughs> a curse uh, Putin? Or are they more likely, as the polls seem to suggest they're doing, say, well, whatever happened, it happened on your watch, Joe, and we're going to punish you for it. Oh, yes. I I predict an extreme Republican wave come the midterms, for sure. You see, you mentioned the word conservative, Maureen. You you mentioned the word conservative. The reason why America is not as bad, however bad you think it is, not as bad as Britain and other European countries right now, is because there is a substantial section of America, actually believes uh, that Biden's presidency is illegitimate, that he's trying to use war and the potential lives of American soldiers to look over here, as the professor said earlier, rather than over there at the mess that I, the president, have made. There's a lot of people like that in America who are conservative, might even be right-wing, They might be Republican. They might be Trumpers. But they ain't going to follow Joe Biden over the cliff. That's my take. Last word to you, Maureen. Uh, Yes, and I I tend to lean liberal or progressive. I don't like to use labels um, on most issues. But I saw from the primaries how they were propping up Joe Biden and yeah. yeah. So and no, they I'm destroyed. Not uh, they destroyed me. Bernie. They destroyed Bernie yes. Sanders because he he couldn't yes. be trusted by the military-industrial complex. He couldn't be trusted by Wall right. Street. He couldn't be trusted by the big donors. That's why they had to strap Joe Biden to his horse. <laughs> Otherwise, he'd have fallen off it. Maureen, thank you for a lovely exactly. call. Sorry we don't have more time. Uh, Mohammed is in London. Let's hear from him. Go ahead, Mohammed. Um, evening, George. 
thanks for Evening. allowing me to speak on your show. Um, I, I don't know why more people haven't made more of this, but Eric Prince was sort of swanning around in Ukraine in 2020 trying to invest $10 billion to make a private weapons plant and private army in Ukraine. Now, Eric, Eric Prince is the uh, is director of what was Blackwater. Uh, Blackwater, yeah. Private, private CIA-run company. And uh, if you drop $10 billion in Ukraine, you own Ukraine. So I would imagine... Exactly. That, you know, at that time, at that time, $10 billion would have bought you the whole country. Well, beyond that, I don't see why European countries don't see... Or the people don't see the game of America. I mean, America's just secured um, a long-term oil contract and gas contract with with Germany and the EU, actually. And now we're going to be the whipping boys who are funding the U.S. So why why would the U.S. want to have any other foreign policy right now in Ukraine other than the destruction of Ukraine to create fear in Europe, so they can you know suck us dry with overinflated gas prices? which we now are, are having ourselves committed to. Well, I think that's the call of the night, Mohammed. Uh, you have hit the nail on the head. Um, the only question is, to whom shall we attribute the blame for this? I blame us. Uh, we are the fools in this picture. In order to pay inflated prices for American liquid gas, we have destroyed the European energy sector. We're going to have inferior product, less easy supply, and vastly increased prices for energy for the rest of our lives, probably. All to boost the profits of the United States. All to please Joe Biden, of all people. Now, the way you described it, Eric Prince, Blackwater, private armies, private bio labs, bio warfare, and all the rest, only a fool would fall for that. But we have fallen for it, Mohammed. What kind of fools are we? I must tell you, I thought that after what happened in Iraq in 2003, that we wouldn't get fooled again. But we have, haven't we? Well, we're the kinds of fools that will have to mull this over, over some chlorinated chicken from the U.S. as well, I'm sure. Yeah. It is almost incredible when the truth is out there, as I pointed out earlier. It's not that you have to listen to CNN or Sky News. It's not that you have to believe what you hear there. You can go online. You can find the... Other point of view, but not enough people are doing so. Not enough people are doing so. Mohammed in London, thanks for that final call of the show, uh, which was an exceedingly uh, good one. I'll be back here next Sunday at 7 p.m. London time with the mother of all talk shows. Uh, but I'll be on YouTube on my YouTube channel at 10 p.m. on Wednesday. I'll still be able to take your messages, maybe even your calls. We're working hard to put together the wherewithal uh, technically to allow calls, but we'll certainly be able to read out your messages and deal with them. So you'll see me next on YouTube at 10 p.m. 
on Wednesday. And you'll see the full singing, dancing, mother of all talk shows on Sunday at 7 p.m. Until then, it's been marvelous. Thanks for being with me. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.